Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, thank you so much. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, excited to be at Passion Life Church today and see what God's going to do. Is anybody excited to be here today? Come on. Well, I'm excited, and I believe that God's got something great for each and every one of you today as uh, Pastor shared. Uh, we started our church a little while ago, and uh, we did, we, uh, about three years into it, we had an arson. We were urban church at the time. Uh, we got hit with an arson. We, we were actually the ones targeted, not the school, and we lost everything. And uh, he said something there that he said, you know, that'd be a good time to quit. And in all honesty, I wanted to quit. Uh, three years into planning the church, it was, it was going well, but, you know, there's some challenges and whatnot. And so when everything was taken, I, honestly, I wanted to quit. And, uh, but uh, the only reason I didn't quit, I'd like to say it's God, but the only reason I didn't quit is because I have a great wife. And, um, you know, I don't know if God used her or if she just said, no, you're not quitting. But either way, we didn't quit. And uh, I've been married for 19 years uh, this summer. And I have two beautiful daughters. Uh, my oldest, Cara, she's 13. She's going into high school. So please pray for me. Um, that'll be interesting season for me as a dad. And then I have another one that's going into seventh grade. And uh, she had three basketball games this last weekend. She's, she's a basketball player like her dad. And so it's been, a, it's been a fun-filled weekend. But I believe that God's got something absolutely incredible for you today. So if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles with me. And we're going to go uh, to the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels in the New Testament. And uh, it is the third book of the New Testament. Easiest way to find it, let's just be honest, is to turn on your phone, go to your, uh, you know, your, your Bible app, and just point and click, all right? Um, these Bible apps, they're great, but I think they're making stupid Christians. Come on, somebody. Because we don't know what's the Old Testament and the New Testament. We just point and click, and there we are in our book of the Bible. And I'm going to read to you a story today that uh, you normally uh, hear uh, at Christmas time. And uh, how many of you guys, anybody love Christmas time? Okay, there are two of my favorite seasons are the season we're in now, heading into summer, and then Christmas time. And uh, so I'm going to read you a story that's typically read uh, when, when it's Christmas time. Matter of fact, I can't remember a message uh, being preached about uh, this woman named Mary um, outside of Christmas time. But, but today we're going to tackle this thing. And I believe that as we do, what's going to happen in your life is God's going to show you that he wants to do something great in you. That he wants to do something great in and through your life. He wants to do something great through Passion Life Church. Amen. He wants to do something great through Passion Life Church. All right. I got three people that believe it. That's all I need. All right. And uh, I believe when God does something, he does it in a great way. And, and so the, the fact that you're sitting here today, I believe God wants to do something great in and through you. The, the fact that many of you here today, you've already said yes to Jesus and you're serving Jesus. He wants to do something great in and through your life. And so Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26. And we're going to read what we know as the Christmas story, all right? Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26, and it reads, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. See, even as I'm reading it right now, you're thinking about Christmas trees and twinkling lights, aren't you? Yeah. So here she is. This is Mary. This is the mother of Jesus. She's engaged now to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name is Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, the Bible is very intriguing. When I read the Bible, I look at the words that were used and, and how everything was formulated. And what, what shocks me about this story so far is, is not that Mary was, was surprised that there was an angel in a room. Come on, somebody. 
Are you with me? I don't know about you, but if an angel shows up in my room, I'm not just like, yo, what up, right? I'm kind of like, what in God's name is happening? But she's not, she's not troubled or even bothered by the fact that there's an angel there. She's bothered by what the angel, uh, how the angel greets her. Are you with me? So the angel shows up and says, hey, rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And then the angel goes on to say, verse 30, then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now it starts to get good. If an angel shows up in your room, tells you to rejoice, and says, man, you found favor with God, that's a good day right there. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, Mary asks a very logical question in verse 34. How can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? Okay, she's a virgin. She asks a logical question like, hey, that is great. Okay, we got past the greeting part that startled me a little bit. But now what you want me to do, it's a little bit troubling because I don't understand how this is going to work because I've never been with a man. And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even as she is conceived and uh, in her old age, and in the sixth month of her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. That'd be a great place to say amen. For nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. I want to read you one more part of the story, and it's found in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and it says, And the birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. In other words, he didn't believe the story. Are you with me? All right, Mary, okay, yeah, the Holy Spirit overshadowed you. Okay, we're getting a divorce, okay? But after he had considered these things, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid uh, to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to name his name Jesus. Because he will save the people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken of by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him and married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, we thank you that your word is awesome. And God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, uh, Lord, you would just speak to every single person in this place. 
uh, Lord, from the one that walked through the doors from the first time and to the one that's been here since day one of this church. God, I ask that you would just uh, reveal to them the incredible plans and purposes that you have for them, and you would use them in a great way. God, I pray that this summer you'd do something great through Passion Life Church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Uh, one of the things I've learned uh, since I've, I've planted this, uh, our, our church, uh, which has been going for a little while, the ups and downs. We started as Urban Church, got hit with the arson, and rebranded as Canvas Church. We've since launched a second, uh, a second campus about a year and a half ago. But there's something I've learned through this whole entire process, and really probably through the process of life, and that is this, is that our God is a God of process. He's a God of process. Now, now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that God does something in us, and, and what he does in us is called the process, okay? It's this, it's this ongoing thing. Sometimes the process is really long. Sometimes it's short, all right? Uh, but there's a process. Now, now, we as humanity immediately have a problem when we hear that statement because although God is a God of the process, we are a people of the product, we, we, we don't really care about the pro process. We just want the end results. Are you with me? Okay? And if you've ever planted a business, you know, or started a business before, and, and you think about that, and you, you don't think about the process. You think about the product. You think about the end result. Let's be honest. Let's maybe take it to where more, more of us are at. When you first get married, come on, somebody. When you first get married, you don't, you don't think about all of the process. What you think about is bliss. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? You think back to that, that day where you were absolutely enamored by, by your soon-to-be spouse and she could do nothing wrong. Oh, it's getting quiet now, okay? Or let's reverse that, or he could get, you know, do nothing wrong. And all you think about is the wonderful bliss of marriage and the house you're going to have and the kids and, and the dog and the white picket fence and the pool. In the, are you with me, right? You think about all those things and then you get married. Mm -hmm. And then about three minutes into marriage, come on somebody, right? You realize that this thing is a process. You realize that, 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 that although you really want the product, there is a process to getting to the product. See, we're over here and God speaks to us and he, he gives us a dream, he gives us a vision. Go plant Passion Life Church in Marietta. Awesome. We are going to be a thousand by day three. Come on somebody. Right? And here's the thing. God knows we're a people of the product, but yet he's a God of the process. Why is that? Because he's not so much into the end result as much as he is into you and what he wants to do in you and through your life. We love the product. God loves the process because he cares more about you than he does about what you'll produce. Amen. He cares about you. And so because he's this God of the process, we find ourselves living the majority of our life in process. We don't find ourselves living our life in product. We find ourselves living our life in process. But yet God is smart. And so when he shows up to us and he begins to speak, much like he did to Mary right here, when he shows up to us and he begins to speak, he doesn't say, hey, Mary, here's the process. He says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to save the world. Who wouldn't want to say yes to that? Right? So, of course, she says yes, and then the process sets in. He comes up, and he shows us 
the product because he wants to get us on board with what he's going to do. But you got to know something. It is going to be a process. Listen to me. Nothing great happens in life without a process. Nothing great will happen in and through you without a process. Nothing great will happen in and Passion Life Church without a process. And so what we need to learn to do as sons and daughters of the King is we need to learn to embrace the process. And if we embrace the process, eventually there will be a product. And by the time you get to the product, guess what? The process starts all over again. Because we live in process. I mean, I think back to the Old Testament. I think of a guy named, a guy named Joseph. If you've never heard the story, certainly you've heard of, uh, of the coat of many colors. And if you haven't heard of that, maybe you've seen the play. Come on, somebody, right? Well, there's this kid, and his name's Joseph. He's got a lot of older brothers. And when God shows up to him, listen, God didn't show up to Joseph and say, Joseph, listen, here's what's going to happen. Uh, your brothers are going to throw you in a pit and lie about you, and then they're going to sell you into slavery. And then when you go into slavery, there's a woman that's going to try to take advantage of you, and then she's going to lie and say it's your fault, and then you're going to end up in prison. And then in prison, guess what? You're going to interpret some dreams, and those people are going to completely forget about you. You want to sign up for it? No, he doesn't do that. He shows up to Joseph. When he shows up to Joseph, he gives him a dream. And what was the dream? It was his, you know, wheat, his sheath of wheat, you know, there, and all of his brother's wheat surrounding, bowing down. Well, yeah, sign me up for that, you know. God knows how to get us because he knows we're people of the product, and so he speaks to us with the product. But what we need to understand is that he is into process, and if we will walk through the process, eventually greatness is going to take place. Amen. Amen. Mary embraces this. And so I just want to share with you real quickly, if I may, just a couple of thoughts from this story that hopefully will encourage you to keep going in the process, in the process. First one I see really here in this story is, is what the angel says to her. He says, hey, you're favored. You're favored. You found favor in the eyes of God. And now listen, Mary's not looking for favor. She's just chilling in a room. She's probably 15 or 16 years old. It's not like she's in there doing a devotional. Come on, somebody. She's just chilling in a room. And as she's chilling in her room, man, an angel shows up to her and says, hey, you're favored. Listen to me. You can do nothing to win the approval of God. You can do nothing to get the favor of God. God just shows up because he wants to show up, because he can, because he's God. And he says, hey, you're favored. And you're like, really? What did I do? And he's like, nothing. You're like, wow. How does that work? Don't worry about it. Right? Favor. This word favor is the same word grace. It's the same word, pleasure. So in other words, the angel says, hey, guess what? God has grace on you. God's found pleasure in you. And we need to understand that if we are going to do anything great for God ever. We need to understand that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by our ability, it's not by our charisma, but it's by his spirit, it's by his favor, it's by his grace. The very fact that you're even, even eligible to be in this journey, to be in this process called Christianity, and the very fact that you're sitting in this church today, whether you're a Christian yet or not, shows that you're in process. And the very reason why you're here today or why you're in that process is because of grace. Isn't that what Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 tell us? That you've been saved by 
grace through faith. But time out. That faith, man, you did nothing for it. God gave it to you. That's how good he is. He comes with his grace, but before he comes with his grace, he puts a a measure of faith inside of all of us so that when he comes with his grace, we have the ability to respond to it. Amen. That's a powerful thought. And I love what the Bible goes on to say in Ephesians 2. It says, it says you've been saved by grace through faith. Now it says this, and it talks about, and not by works. In other words, you can't do anything for it. It's his grace. It's his favor. And he shows up, not because you're good enough, not because you had enough charisma, not because you had enough talent, not because you got some cool lights. Come on, somebody. He shows up. Because of favor. And listen to me now. I believe this with all my heart. Man, that grace that saved us from a life of sin. Listen to me. Jesus Christ did not just go to the cross because your sins were that bad. He did it because your future is that great. He did it because he's got incredible plans. An incredible purpose. And so he shows up up to Mary. And the first thing we got to recognize is that it's because of his favor. It's because he chooses whom he chooses. Because he can because he's God. But yet there's, there's something else here that I see, and it's this next thought, is that although he comes because of his favor, he looks down, and he chooses whom he chooses, there's this thought, and I want to share it with you today, it's this thought of preparedness. 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 Although his favor chooses, his favor picks, there's something to be said about being Prepared. And honestly, I think that in in, in some of the aspects of of, of the church world today, this idea is forgotten. That yes, it's all about his grace. Yes, grace. I don't even know if people know what grace is anymore. It's all about grace. If God wants to do it, he'll do it. Yeah, he will. But it might not be through you because you ain't prepared. Uh Uh-oh. There's something to be said about being prepared. Although God's grace shows up, his favor shows up and chooses Mary, guess what? He needed a virgin. Because there was going to be no mistake that this was a God thing. That this was the immaculate concept. That this was done of God by the Holy Spirit. There was going to be absolutely no mistaking that fact. So when he shows up with his favor, man, he chose Mary because she was prepared. She kept herself. And I can't help but think sometimes that when God's favor shows up and wants to do something great, I can't help but think sometimes how many, how many times I've missed out on being used by God because I wasn't prepared. Because I wasn't prepared. Mary, she was prepared. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. It says that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole entire earth looking for those whose hearts are turned towards him so that he can show himself faithful. That's what he's looking for. I remember one time I got invited to go on a missions trip. Anybody ever been on the missions field before? Awesome. Okay. And it was a a last-minute thing. And a friend of mine was like, Ben, we're going to Haiti, and my friend has the the tickets paid for. It's going to cost you nothing. He wants to take some pastors out there to go just so they can kind of explore and see if they want to take their churches out there. Uh, Do you want to come? And I'm like, yeah. When is it? They're like, it's in three weeks. I'm like, okay. He goes, do you have a passport? So I went, and I grabbed my passport, and it was expired. Bummer. 
for me. And I tried to get that thing done in time so I could go on this trip, but I didn't get it done in time. You know what my friend said to me, and he always says this to me anyway. He was like, bro, you need to have your passport ready at all times. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, in case something bad happens and you need to get out of the country. And I'm like, look, if it's gotten that bad that i got to leave the country, I just want to go home to Jesus anyway. Are you with me? You know? But I missed out on an opportunity because I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. You know, the Bible talks in Matthew chapter 25. It talks about, the, it's this analogy of when the kingdom of God comes. And it talks about these ten virgins. And it talks about how five of them came prepared with extra oil because they didn't want to miss the groom coming in and take him away. And guess what? There were five that weren't prepared. And they didn't bring extra oil. And guess what they were doing? They were begging from the other five, could you give us some oil? They're like, mm-mm, get your own. Got to be prepared. Yes, it's his favor that comes to us, but there is something about being prepared. Listen to me. Here's the thing. We preach a lot of messages in church about being prepared for when the enemy comes, right? And we talk about how, how Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, how he defeated the devil. It's an awesome story. And we see in there that every time that the devil came against Jesus, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture, right? And so we talk about, you know, hey, we need to, have, we need to know the word of God and be prepared for when the enemy comes. That's great. When's the last time we talked about being prepared for when God comes and wants to use you and do something great in your life? We're always worried about the enemy coming and being prepared, being on guard. But what about when God comes? Are we ready to have God do a great thing in and through our life? Are we ready at Passion Life Church for God to come this summer and say, I'm about to turn this thing around. I'm about to do something supernatural. I'm about, are you with me this morning? But are you ready? Are you prepared? It's his favor but you got to be prepared. The next thought I want to give to you, if I, if I can, is this idea that we see in her, and it's this idea of trust. If you want to be used greatly by God, if you want to do something great for God, man, his favor's got to be there or, 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 or nothing's going to happen. we got to do some things to prepare ourselves, but listen to me. When all of a sudden it starts happening, and all of a sudden you're in the trenches all of a sudden now, God came to you with the product, but now you're walking through the process. She had to carry the process for 10 months. Are you with me? It was one thing for her to say yes over here. Wow, I'm going to birth the Savior of the world? Sign me up. I mean, like, like month one, I think something's happening. Month two, yeah, maybe. But like month three and a half, you're like, whoa. You still got like six and a half more months. In the process, listen to me, she needed to trust. She needed to trust that she heard from God. She needed to trust that what God spoke to me is really going to come to fulfillment. Now, we don't see this in Scripture, but let's just be real for a moment. You got to know she was getting some looks from some other people. Mm-hmm. Never been with a man, huh? Mm-hmm. Tommy says something different, right? You got to know what was taking place. I mean, think about it. Had an angel not showed up to Joseph, Joseph was even thinking it. 
So certainly all these other people who probably didn't have visitations from angels had some questions. And do you want to know something? When God shows up and speaks to you and begins to give you a vision and begins to give you a dream, listen to me, to us it's reality. And as we're looking at we don't we don't understand why everybody else can't see what God's doing in us. But you know what? They're looking on like, mm-hmm, sure he spoke to you. Right, right, sure, Pastor Phil, sure, all right. Sure he spoke. You've got to know in those moments, you've got to trust that you really heard from God. Are you with me? You've got to know that you know that you know that you heard from God. And Mary had to trust in the process. Listen to me, this, this whole, that's why this whole life of, 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 of Christianity, of being a Christ follower, is, is one walked out in faith. It's faith. In fact, that's what the Bible says, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's a life of faith. Why does Galatians 6 tell us, hey guys, don't grow weary in doing well? <laughs> Why does it say not to grow weary in doing well? Because you're going to want to grow weary. It wouldn't say that if you weren't, you know, had the tendency to grow weary. But no, the, God shows up through Scripture and says, hey guys, got a real positive message for you. Don't grow weary in doing well. Let me finish it. For in due season, you're going to reap if you don't give up. Why would it say that? Because you're going to want to feel like giving up. I, I, I felt like giving up. You're going you're to want to feel like giving up in, in, in life, in many areas of life. You're going to want to feel like if you're a part of planning this church, you've probably felt like giving up every Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. Right? 6.30 a.m. coming in for setup. I feel like quitting, right? And then you feel it again around 12 when you're tearing down. Come on, somebody, right? Listen to me, though. You're going to want to feel like throwing in the towel on your marriage. Oh, it got too personal there. I got real quiet. I had the privilege of watching my parents be married for 51 years before my, my dad passed away. 51 years. I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, I said, I said how, how, how have you been married for so long? How, how does that work? Because I'm all my friends, their parents are getting divorced. I said, Dad, how does that work? He said, two things, Ben. I said, yeah. He said, you just don't give up. That's good. What's the next one? He said, just don't fall out of love on the same day as she falls out of love with you. <laughs> right? Because sometimes it's his love that carried it, and sometimes it's her love that carried it. But if they fell out of love on the same day, come on, somebody. That's biblical, by the way. Just go to the Old Testament. Children of Israel, God, Moses. Sometimes Moses wanted to kill the people. God said no. Sometimes God wanted to kill the people, and Moses said no. Right? Now, I'm not saying you want to kill your wife, but till death do you part. Anyway. You got to trust. When you're walking through the process, you got to trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is trust in the Lord with all your heart. All of it. Don't lean into your own understanding. Because my understanding, you know what it says? My understanding says, you know what? I'm not so sure about this thing anymore. Here, Joseph, you carry Jesus for a while. Come on, somebody. Maybe we can do a halvesies, a split, you know, 50-50. Got trust. 
Next thing I see in this, this verse, I believe if you're going to do something great for God, it's, it's obedience. 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 I love what she said. She said, let it be according to me. I, I'm, just, I'm just your servant. Let it, let it be done. Here's the thing. It's one thing to say that on this side again. It's another thing to keep walking in obedience and see it all the way through. Mary walked in obedience in order for, listen, this is probably the greatest event ever, right? I mean, she's like the first disciple. She's the first one to carry Jesus to humanity, literally and figuratively. And she walked it out in obedience. And because she did that, we then eventually have a Savior who died on a cross. She walked it out in obedience. There are going to be so many opportunities for you in the middle of the process to want to throw in the towel and call it quits. Just, I'm done. Really? But do you remember what I spoke to you? Yeah, I'm done. And honestly, it's an option. You can quit. You can throw in the towel. But listen to me. I think there's far too many people that abort the greatness of God when they stop walking in obedience to what he spoke at the beginning. Too many people. Too many churches. Too many ministries. Too many marriages. We stop walking in obedience. Stop walking. Mary, though, she, she continued to walk in obedience. And here's the, here's the thing. In our society, there seems to be such a, an honor and a praise given to busyness. The busier I am, I got all this stuff to do. Like, wow. Like, you are a busy person. Like, it's something to be praised. Right? Like, it's something to be honored. And we praise that. And we look at that. God, these, these guys got it going on. They are so busy. Oh, they got so much happening. But what happens if God shows up and says, hey, I want you just to sit for a while. I want you just to take the 10 months and let the process play out. Uh, it's getting quiet again. It's usually when God's speaking. What happens? All of a sudden now you've got to put the brakes on. You're like, but, 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 but I like to be busy. I like to do things. Why? Because it gets praise. What do you do when God shows up and says, hey, just, just rest. Just wait. Do you obey? I think, of, I think of Samuel, who showed up just as Saul had finished sacrificing on the altar. It's in 1 Samuel. Just read the whole book. It's good. See, Saul was a king, and he wasn't allowed to do the sacrifice. That was supposed to be done by the priest. And here's Samuel, the prophet, shows up, and he sees what Saul had done. He goes, Saul, what have you done? And Saul's like, hey, I had to do something. So I just went ahead and did the sacrifice myself. And Samuel says, man, you were foolish, for it is better to obey than to sacrifice. Obedience. I think of another story, and some of these are just coming to me, so forgive me if I don't have the exact text, but I think of, I think of the parable of the two brothers. The father says, hey, I want you to do such and such. 
And one says, okay, okay, Dad, I'll do it. Another son says, eh, ain't going to happen. One said, said, okay, Dad, I'll do it. Never did it. Sounds like some of your children, doesn't it? The other one that said, I'm not going to do it, guess what? He went and did it. And then the question is asked, hey, which one, which one do you think pleased the father? The one that went and did it. Obedience. In the middle of the process, do not abort the great thing that God is doing in you and wants to do through you by stop walking in obedience. Let me just share with you this last thought and we'll, we'll close and we'll pray for some people today. Notice that Mary did not have to do it alone. Angel shows up in Mary's room. Mary, here's what's going to happen. And then Joseph has a dream. Why didn't an angel show up to Mary and Joseph have a dream? Well, because women like to talk. Come on, somebody. So the angel shows up and converses with her. Why didn't an angel come in a dream? Because men like to debate and try to figure it out and try to fix. Didn't give him that option. Angel shows up in a dream to Joseph, lays out the game plan for Joseph. Listen, Joseph wasn't on board. He didn't believe the plan. He didn't believe that, that God had spoken to Mary. Why do we know that? Because he actually wanted to divorce her. He wanted to know, I don't want to be with her. She cheated on me. I don't believe the plan that God, no, I don't believe that's even a part of it. He wanted to get rid of her. Angel shows up to Joseph, says, hey, I got a, I got a part for you in this thing too. Listen to me. What God is wanting to do in and through your life, the great thing that God has for you will not be done solo in you. It'll be done in others, but you cannot take the time to stop and try to convince others to get on the dream and to get in the process and to get in the plan with you. You will tire yourself out. You will get weary, but if you just trust God in the process and in the plan, and keep doing what he told you to do, you can be assured that he's talking to somebody else on the other side, and he's going to get them involved as well. Amen. Listen, I believe with all my heart, there are so many times we are running around trying to convince other people, look, look what God's doing. Listen, I gave that up. I gave that up like three years into planting the church. I was trying to get everybody on board. Listen, church was great until people started showing up. Come on, somebody. And everybody's got a thought and an opinion and an idea. And you're just like, just shut up and join mine. Mine's good. I'm trying to convince everybody. This is what God wants to do. Do you see it? No, they don't. And they won't until God shows up and speaks to them. And if, you just, if you just trust God... And, and, and do the part that he's calling you to do. And the part he's calling you to do is not to try to convince everybody else. I'm telling you right now, people are looking in at your life being like, what's up with you? Oh, it's God. Whatever. Don't sit there and try to convince them. Don't sit there and try to talk them into it. Just be like, God, if they're, they're supposed to be a part of it, you'll speak to them. You'll speak to them. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody, somebody, so I feel this so strongly. Somebody, and I don't know if you're sitting here by yourself or with your spouse, but somebody needs to hear that for their marriage today. Because you know what? The Bible says what God brought together, come on, nothing's going to be able to tear it apart. 
And yet, if you would just, if you would just work on you and stop working on your spouse, oh, I'm preaching now. If you would just work on you, because the reality is the problem probably is you, and you would allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and do some work in you rather than you always pointing the finger at your spouse and why can't they do this and they should be doing that and they need to fix this. No, the reality is you need to look in the mirror and have that conversation with yourself. If you did, guess what? God will speak to your spouse and start working on them. Stop trying. Listen, what God wants to do, he wants to do together. He wants to do in a community. What God wants to do through Passion Life Church is not going to happen because of one man. It's not going to happen because of one couple. It's not even going to happen because of a team that shows up on a Sunday morning and stays after on a Sunday afternoon. It's going to happen as you just continue to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you as you walk in obedience and as you trust him, just believe that he's speaking to people around you and he's going to bring them in the right time in the right season and put them in position and put them into place. You've just got to trust God and walk in obedience to the thing that God has for you. Can I get an amen this morning? Hallelujah. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 